Welcome to the Kingdom Revival Culture Podcast, keeping you in touch with Faith Mountain Fellowship Church in Red River, New Mexico. You know, the love that Jesus Christ calls his body to is an amazing, everlasting, unconditional love. And this podcast is just one of the ways that you and I can build each other up in that love. So to start, just enjoy this message, and then please contact us with prayer requests, feedback, or anything else you'd like to discuss at fmfcpodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from everyone interested in helping create a kingdom revival culture. How many of you are ready to learn something new today? Okay? All right, good. We've been talking about, throughout the summer, we've been talking about operating under God's authority. Okay? Jesus tells us in Matthew 16, he's, he's talking to the disciples, and he asked them, who, who do people say they are? And, and Peter says, well, you're the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Peter sa- or Jesus says to Peter, says, uh, that didn't come from the world, that came from you, my Father. This was revealed to you by my father, and he said, uh, you are now Peter the rock, and I'm going to build my church not on Peter, but on the statement of who Jesus is, all right? And the best news about that thing is he says, I'm going to build my church, and the gates of hell will not overcome it, all right? Now, the gates of hell will not overcome it, and so when we're dealing, when we think, when things are falling down all around us, caving in we got to remember that statement. Jesus is the one that's going to complete this job. He's given us authority. He went on to tell, to tell them, and he said, um, I'm going to give you, because he's, he's releasing that authority from him that's been given to the, from the Father. He's preparing the apostles and us to go out with this authority that Jesus has. And he says, I'm going to give you the authority of the keys to the kingdom of heaven. And he says, these keys are going to be binding and loosing. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will have been loosed in heaven. In other words, what we allow and what we disallow is what God says, I've given you this authority. I want you to operate in my power. I want you to operate according to my will. But I'm, going to, I'm trusting my church to move the kingdom forward. Amen. And we are his church. Amen? Amen. And so we have that authority. He gave us the authority. He doesn't expect to do it in our own power. So the next thing we talked about was how to operate in His power. Okay, it's really crucial that we're operating in His power, not our strength. Amen? How many of you know that doesn't work operating in your own strength, right? We've all tried it, and it doesn't work. I tried it last week. It didn't work. So just trust me on that, okay? So last week we talked about some of the things that can hinder us from operating in God's power. And one of those things is the pull of the world. We are absolutely surrounded in every area of our lives. The world is, is trying to encroach on us. But Jesus said, hey, you know what? I've overcome the world. Okay. And so I did mention something. I want to bring it up again. There is a game out there that our young people, and, and not all young people, old people, uh, as well, are playing. It's an interactive game on the internet called uh, Fortnite, and it's a game that is, in fact, the doctors were talking about it a week or two ago. It's so addictive that children are spending literally their whole days uh, on this game. It's just so addicting. It's, I, you know, and it's got some you know, it's got some issues, you know, I'm sure there's good things or bad things about it. I don't know a lot about the game, but I do know 
that um, one of our teachers that I was talking to the other day was telling us that that's all the young people talk about now. And so I'd tell you not to tell them to get off the game or whatever, but to be able to realize the enemy is, is trying to steal our children and our youth, and we need to make a stand. Amen? We need to, and relationship is what will change that. Right? Okay? Relationship. Whether you, whether you have children at home or not, you know, go to this beach day. Go, whatever it takes to get involved in our young people's lives, there's things better out there than just being on the internet. Okay? All right. So, today what we want to talk about is making good decisions, making godly decisions. How many of you have a process and a plan in place to be able to make godly decisions? Some of you do, some of you don't. Um, so we're going to kind of take a look at that this morning. Um, I was sitting in a room full of senior pastors uh, last month, and we were talking about this. Uh, we were talking about there's, there's people on one hand that maybe are, are always waiting to hear God, and, and, and they're, they don't want to move until they are absolutely sure that they've heard God, and, and I believe God honors that. And then there's people on the other side of the spectrum, more like myself, that, you know, I usually can pray, and, and I feel pretty comfortable to move forward fairly quickly. And I believe God honors that. But there are perimeters that we need to, to operate within. There's, there's, if you get out of balance and, and you're so afraid that, remember, God gave us authority, gave us power. And so there are those people out there that they're just, fear holds them back from making decisions that they probably know they should make. And then on the other end, like myself, many times I've done this and I just have a tendency to run ahead of God. And so we were talking about that. And uh, the head of, of the organization that we belong to is called TFAC, a uh, really close friend of our church, Ricky Griffin. He made a, a statement because when we were talking about this, how do we make godly decisions, how many of you rely on peace is one of the main things. When you're making a major decision in your life, you're praying that God will give you peace in one direction or the other. Do you guys, most of you do that? Okay, I think most Christians understand the word talks about that, that we have that ability, that um, access to his peace. Uh, here's what Ricky said, though, that I thought was really interesting. Let this sink in. There is a difference between peace and being comfortable. <laughs> All right? He said it's really easy to be peaceful about things you want to do. All right, so I've got a decision, and this is really the direction I think I want to go, and that I think, you know, and so it's real easy to feel a peace about that. But what if... The direction God sends you is the one you don't feel comfortable in. We're going to actually talk about that today in, in just a minute. But then Ricky went on to say, he says, it's the peace of God that we're after. It's not my peace we're after. Does that make sense? Is It's not my peace that I'm seeking. I, it's God's peace. And comfortable is not always in that equation. Okay? And so we're going to look at that today. Um, being peaceful or comfortable, how do we make godly decisions? We're going to go to John 16, okay, and I'm going to start in verse 19. Uh, Jesus had been dis discussing with the disciples about what's getting ready to happen, and he's been telling, he's telling them, you know, I'm getting ready to, to go away, and then I'm going to come back, and, and they're really confused about it, and they don't really understand what he's talking about. And so, verse 19, Jesus saw that they wanted to ask him about this. So he said to them, Are you asking one another what I meant when I said, In a little while 
you will see me no more, and then after a little while, you will see me. So I want to I wanna take put that verse 19 on the shelf for a minute, okay? It doesn't seem real important. It, it's going to come back around, okay? So just kind of hang on to that one. So Jesus is going, so you're worried about what I'm talking about. You don't understand what I'm saying. Then verse 20, he says this, very truly, or in the old King James, it would probably say verily, verily, I tell you, you will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. Now, that probably instilled a bunch of confidence in him right there, huh? Speaking of confidence or, or comfortable, uh, by the way, you guys are going to weep and you're going to mourn and the world is going to be rejoicing. And I'm sure they're looking at him going, oh boy, here we go. Another one of these sermons he's going to give us. <laughs> anyway, he says, you agree... Uh, Truly, I tell you, you weep and mourn while the world rejoices. You will grieve, but... Everybody say, but. but. Your grief will turn to what? Okay, he says, you're going to weep and mourn, but your grief is going to turn to joy. And then he gives an incredible example of a woman giving birth. He says, a woman giving birth to a child has pain because her time has come. When her baby is born, she forgets the anguish because her joy that the child... Um, her joy that a child is born into the world. So in other words, it's that picture of, of they're getting ready to go through pain like they've never experienced before. But Jesus is saying, when you get through this, what's going to happen is going to be so much greater. And what a great picture that is. I remember the first time that um, Lainey gave birth to our first son, James, and I was in the room the first time I'd been in the room while they were giving birth to anyone. And I remember the pain, and I remember her grabbing, there were some handles on the, on the <laughs> table, and I remember muscles bulging out of her forearms and her biceps that I'd never seen, and I'm thinking, she's not getting a hold of me no matter what. <laughs> I'm going to stand over here where she cannot get a hold of me because the pain was so great. But you know, as soon as that child is born, guess what? All that is forgotten because... There's something greater that's taking place. And Jesus, is, he's given them this, this example, and he's saying, you're going to go through some extremely difficult things. The world's going to be rejoicing, but something's going to happen after that. So he goes on, and he verse 20, 22, so he says, so with you, in other words, this is the way it's going to work for you guys, too. You're going to experience this incredible pain. Now is your time of grief. And I'm sure they're looking at him at that point going, this doesn't sound good at all. Because <laughs> they're seeing it from the front side. How many of you know what it's like when you're going into a trial and, and devastation is hit and, and you're looking at it and it seems overwhelming to you? And then after you get through that season, our church, our family has been through a really, really difficult year. Um, but you know what? We know that we can trust God, right? And we're on the other side look, starting to look back and going, God, look how faithful you were in this every step of the way. Okay, and he's saying that's what's going to happen. He says, you're in this time of grief, but, everybody say, but, I will see you again and you will rejoice. Now listen to this, and no one will take away your joy. Now, there's good news, amen? Because you know what? If he said that to his disciples, he says that to you. 
It says, you know what? You're going to go through things. Remember, they're, they're getting ready not only at his death, but the rest of their lives, they're going to go through incredible persecution. They're going to have highs and lows. They're going to be, Jesus is beginning to teach and speak into them who they are so that they can make these good decisions down the road. He's beginning to reveal to them how much the Father loves them. And this is where he really, it really gets exciting. Listen to this. He says, No one will take away your joy. In that day, you will no longer ask me anything. Very truly, I tell you, my Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Until now, you have not asked for anything in my name. Ask, and you will receive, and your joy will be complete. Now, Jesus is obviously talking, obviously talking about when he comes back after being resurrected. He's going to spend that little bit of time, those, those uh, short days, 40 days or whatever, with them before he ascends. And he's going to be speaking into them again. But he's saying from now on, you can start asking in my name. And my father's going to give you whatever you ask. If he was talking to them, he's talking to us. So when you ask something in, the, in Jesus' name, what do you expect back? Do you expect an answer? It may not always be in the, the form that we think it's going to be. But we know that we can trust him. This is where I just think it gets really exciting. Ask and you will receive and your joy will be complete. Verse 25. It says, Though I've been speaking figuratively, a time is coming when I will no longer use this kind of language. But I will tell you plainly about my father. In that day, you will ask in my name. Now listen to this. This is incredible. He says, In that day you will ask in my name. And I'm not saying I will ask the Father on your behalf. No, the Father himself loves you because you have, now listen to this, because you have loved me and believed that I came from God. Now re realize what he's saying. He's saying you're no longer going to have to come to me. I'm giving you access to the Father and because the Father loves you, because you've loved me, Jesus, not me. Although you should love me. He's saying, because you loved my son Jesus, because you believed in what he's saying, the Father now is, is we have full access, and we are his children, and we can, have, we can come to his throne boldly. And Jesus says, I'm not going to ask the Father for you. You ask the Father. That's the relationship. That's the, that's the incredible, one of the incredible things that took place at the cross is now we have direct access to the Father. And so I think there's a mystery in this that sometimes when we pray, we pray, I think we're, we're asking Jesus to do something for us that he's already done. And he's saying, don't ask me. Use my name and go to the Father, and he's going to give you whatever you ask. Isn't that good? I mean, it's good news, man. This is really good. In that day, you'll ask, and he says, I'm not going to ask the Father on your behalf. No, the Father loves you because you have loved me, and you've believed that I came from God. Now, he's speaking that into us today. He was speaking that into the disciples says, like, verse 28, I came from the Father and entered the world. Now I'm leaving the world and going back to my Father. Verse 29, 
the disciples, is now, they're going to now respond to something they've heard that, that was life-changing for them. The disciples, then Jesus' disciples said, now you are clearly speaking clearly without figures of speech. Now we can see that you know all things and that you do not even need to have anyone ask you questions. Remember verse 19 when Jesus, and he did this all the time to him, right? They'd be over in the corner talking and he'd go, uh, don't worry about what, you know, he already knew what they were talking about. But this time something changed. This time as he began to explain what was going on, the disciples realized, oh my gosh, you really are the Son of God. There's a fresh revelation for them that day. All of a sudden, they're going, you really are who you say they are. Listen to this. Now we can see that you know all things and you don't need even to have anyone ask you questions. This makes us believe that you came from God. All the signs, all the wonders, all the incredible things that Jesus did. He walked on water. He did all these things in their presence. And they finally say, you know what? Now we see it. Their eyes are open to a a new level of understanding. And we need to have our, we need to be praying that God is taking us to new levels of understanding, fresh revelation of who, how much he loves him. And that's what I think, not only do they see that Jesus could read their mail, which he did all the time, but, (laughs) but they were starting to see how much the father loved them. And all of a sudden their eyes are opened. And they're, there's a, and now they're going, now we believe. Wow, that's amazing to me. This makes us believe you came from God. Verse 31, <laughs> Jesus says, do you now believe? He's going, okay, you've, got, you've gotten a revelation of what I'm talking about. He says, a time is coming, and in fact has come, when you will be scattered, each to your own home, you will leave me alone. Yet I am not alone, for my Father is with me. Jesus is looking at him, he's going, you've got a revelation now of, of how much the Father loves you. But here in just a little bit, you're going to scatter like children. You're going to run and hide. And it's going to devastate you. It's going to hurt. Remember that pain he was talking about? You realize how much, you know, every time we sin against God, you know how that brings that hurt inside of us. That it's like, oh, afterwards, I'm so sorry, Lord. Think about running out on Jesus. Jesus understood their pain. He says, you're going to leave me. He says, but my father is never going to leave me. He's going to be with me. And when Jesus cried out from the cross, my Father, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Remember, he's taken on the sin of the world and God cannot be in that presence. God never left him. He just had to look away. He had to allow Jesus to complete the work that he did. But his Father was there for him every step of the way. Amen? And if he's there with Jesus, guess what? He will be there for you. Because he sent Jesus to die for you. That's how important we are as his children. Isn't that good? He loved you so much. He was willing to let Jesus die for you. And if he'll do that for Jesus, he will never, in fact, his word tells us what in Hebrews, I will never leave you, I will never forsake you. That's a good promise, amen?
Wow. Verse 33. I've told you these things so that in me, everybody say, in me. That's Jesus, not me. (laughs) In me, you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble. But he says, take heart. I've overcome the world. Somebody give God a clap offering. He overcame the world. He overcame sin and death. He overcame all the struggles that we have faced and we're going to face. And he was talking to those disciples and he says, you can have peace. You think that they were sitting there going, oh man, I can't wait. He just told them, you're going to go through some of the toughest things you're ever going to experience. He says, but see, it's not comfortable anymore. It's peace. And it's not their peace, it's God's peace. And it was equipping those guys, even though they all left him and forsaked him. Guess what? They all came back except for Judas, huh? And if Judas, if Judas had repented, God would have let him come back. That's how much he loves us. Is that right? All right, good. So it's not our peace, it's God peace, is God's peace that we're after. But we have to understand that we have access to the Father. We have to understand how much He loves us and that He's given us everything we need for life and and for success. So we're going to look at some scriptures real quick um, that have to do with peace, okay? So we're going to go over to Colossians chapter 3. I'm going to start in verse 12. And I want to just share some stuff with you. Uh, Yeah, we got lots of time. Probably not lots of time, but we have some time. Colossians 3. Let this one sink in. Let these scriptures, let them come into your heart. My prayer is that when you walk out of here today, we're changed, right? That we don't just hear the word, but we take the word and we do the word. He says, therefore, as God's chosen people. All right, everybody say, I'm God's chosen people. I want you to personalize this. Therefore, as God's chosen people. Holy, say, I'm holy, I'm dearly loved, that's who we are, okay? So as God's chosen people that are holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Can I tell you that forgiveness will stop the move of God in you and it will steal your peace faster than anything else. Unforgiveness will steal that from you. And the enemy uses it as a tool. Let me tell you something. Forgiveness is not based on right or wrong. Forgiveness is not an emotional decision. Forgiveness is an obedience to Jesus because he forgave us. The Father forgave us. And so it does not matter what someone has done in your life. It doesn't matter how horribly they hurt you. Jesus says we forgive, and it sets us free. Amen? It allows us to be able to flow in in the power of God, in the authority of God, and to be able to further that kingdom because we're looking past ourselves. We're laying down our lives. And we've all had hurts where we had, it was literally like laying down your life. But we forgive because that's who we are. Amen? All right, good. No, wrong one. You already heard that. You don't want to hear that again. Verse 14. And over all these virtues, put on what? 
love. He's, he's given us a picture of putting this cup of love on because it binds all these other things together in perfect unity. Love is the key to this because we are now love people. We really are. We're created in love. Everything we do, everything should, that comes out of us ought to be coming out of us because of the love we've received and the love that we give. We are love people. Amen? That was weak. <laughs> we are love people, right? I mean, that's who we are. Come on. Verse 15, is, is I think, is really crucial. Verse 15 says... Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. So it implies in this scripture that we can stop the peace of God ruling, right? We have to allow peace into our hearts. We have to say, I understand who I am in Christ. I understand it does not matter what the circumstances are. It's not about being comfortable. It's not about getting my way. It's about allowing God's peace to direct me. Amen? We have to let it. He says, let the peace of Christ rule in your heart since as members of one body you were called to peace. You realize we're called to walk in peace. That is God's purpose for us. And be thankful. <laughs> That's a good one, isn't it? You know what we're... Well, I'll tell you about it in a minute. I don't want to get ahead of myself. Be thankful. That's, then he says, let... There it is again. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, songs from the Spirit. Singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. You know what? He says, let the message of Christ dwell in you. And then what's supposed to do with it? We're supposed to start encouraging each other with it. We're supposed to use that message. It's supposed to be our tool, right? To further God's kingdom out of love, not out of some... Proving to God how great we are, how much we love Him. We love because that's who we are. And we share this message because that's what set us free, right? And what was the message? It wasn't, all it was was believing on Christ, right? It was just accepting what He did for us and saying, I believe you are who you say. I believe you're the Son of God. I believe that you're my Savior. And I'm, I'm, I accept that. I allow that into my lives, and you are born again. You are a new creation. You, old things have passed away. And so that's what we're sharing. That's what we're releasing when we share that with other people. Verse 17, and whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So we've got to do it under, in Jesus' name, right? We've got to use his name. But when we do it, we do it with authority. In Jesus' name, fear cannot live in my life. Can I tell you this? This morning, the enemy, and I don't like to give the devil credit. I really don't. I don't pay attention to him. But once in a while, he brings stuff on us. And this morning, there was just a fear and a doubt that was trying to come on me and, and questioning my identity. How many times have you ever had that happen? Of course it does. But you know how I respond now is I start praising God. Okay, I just go, hey, God, I know who you say I am. I don't care what he says I am. Okay, that's, that's who I am. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to give thanks to Jesus because he's my king. He's in charge of my life. All right, Ver, uh, go to Philippians 4, and we'll kind of wrap this thing up. Starting in verse 4. 
Philippians 4, 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. You know what the word rejoice means? If, if we were to actually take the, the Hebrew definition of rejoice and all of us stood up, some of us that are over 60 would probably end up falling down because it means to spin around in a circle. I mean, that's how excited you are. It's literally. And when the word says God is rejoicing over us, unbelievable. He's up there in heaven dancing around because of you. <laughs> rejoice always. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again. Rejoice. Don't, uh, or excuse me, let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Okay? Do not be anxious. What's the word anxious mean? Don't be afraid. Fear. It says, do not fear anything. But in every situation, now this is interesting, listen to this. By prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. You know what the word prayer means? Listen. So first of all, when the situation comes, I've got to make a decision. Probably the first thing I need to do is listen to God first. Okay? Then he says, petitions. Okay, when Richard Koss was going into surgery, can I tell you, we were petitioning God. We were going, it's by your stripes that, Jesus, that Richard is healed. And we were bringing that petition. It's a legal term. And then all of a sudden he says, with thanksgiving, then we bring our, our request. But there's a, there's a progression here, and he takes us through these, the scriptures several different times this way. So we're going we're gonna to trust God. We're going to listen. We're going to bring our petitions. We're going to rejoice with him, and then we're going to tell him what we need. Okay? He goes on. Verse 7. And what happens in the peace of God... Everybody say, the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, goes beyond comfort, goes on, it doesn't make sense sometimes, but I guarantee you, I've been there when I had that full-on heart attack, and there was a peace, I can't, you cannot describe it unless you've experienced it, and it's like, Wow. It doesn't matter because I trust God. Amen. The peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. So if I'm going to make good godly decisions and I spend my life focused on all the problems and the issues and the negative and, and what the news is telling me, you're not going to make good decisions because you're not hearing God's voice. You're hearing the world's voice. He's encouraging us, hey, here's what we need to think about. Yeah, we've got to deal with issues. But the idea is to keep our focus on God, right? Right? Whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. And the God of peace will be with you. In other words, don't just hear the word. Be a doer of the word. When you go home today and you decide, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make some godly decisions. I've got some decisions coming. I'm going to hear God. I'm going to listen. I'm going to bring my, my petitions. I'm going to thank, give thanksgiving. And then I'm going to tell him what I need. Uh, this is kind of a silly example, but it's what's going on in our lives. Uh, you know, we've been talking about trying to buy a new vehicle. And I've been looking at this pickup and... and Two weeks ago, 4th of July, you know, someone offered it to me, and it was truly way too good to be true, okay? 
but it is. And so my thought process, the old Ed would have done everything that I could do to push open every door and make sure that this thing happened. But see, I, I'm a different person now. I'm learning. I'm learning how to have the mind of Christ. And the first thing I did was sit down with my wife because, you know, God's gonna, God isn't going to put division between you and me in a decision. Is that right? Amen. We're going to be in unity because we're one. We're one in God's eyes. So I went with her first. And I made a plan, okay? I said, God, here's the plan that I believe I should do because I don't have, it's, we don't have the money saved up. We have a car fund, you know, and, and I didn't have that much in it. And I said, God, here's my plan. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to sell this and I'm going to sell this. And, and I, I laid out my plan because the Bible tells us to make our plans and then do what? Submit them to God. And I said, so here's my plan. Now you open and close doors and I'm going to stay out of the way. And for guess what? The last two weeks, every day I wake up thinking, is that door going to open? <laughs> nope. But you know what? I'm okay with that now because I trust him. Tomorrow I'm supposed to buy this truck, okay? But, but he may close it today. And I, if he does, I go, praise you, God, because now I trust him. And so making good decisions, have a process in place where you go, this is a... And usually they're, you know, they can be as simple as something like that. But a lot of times they're life-changing decisions. Know how you're going to respond to life. When you have to make a decision, know that I'm not going to base it on comfort. I'm not going to say, yeah, I feel good. I have peace about this because it's what you want to do. And know that I want the peace of God, not my peace. Know that I have a plan. I'm going to submit it to God, and I'm going to wait and let him open and close doors in my life. And he promises to do that. He says, if any of you lack wisdom, what? He will ask, and he will give it to you, and he, he'll give it to you freely. But we've got to believe. We can't, we can't doubt. Amen? So I hope that this has been helpful for you this morning. I hope that I know that some of you are probably in a place where you need to make some decisions right now. And we want to be able to pray with you. So intercessors, if you guys would come on up, I'd appreciate that. Um, so if you need wisdom, if you want someone to pray with you, you're facing a decision, maybe you have a family member or a loved one or, or a situation coming up, maybe you need healing, it, the altar is open because you have access to the Father now in Christ Jesus. And if you've never had that relationship with Jesus, if you've never really allowed Him to come in, Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day where you can have a life full of peace and joy and you can operate in love and fear doesn't have to rule in your life anymore. Amen? Amen. All right. So, I want to pray over you, but these guys are available. Wayne and Marsha, why don't you guys come up too, please? Laney's over here. We got kinds of people in the back. We've got... The person sitting next to you has the same Holy Spirit that you do. But let's not leave without praying for one another. I want to encourage you, body of Christ, because there's a lot of people, a lot of churches represented in here this morning. <clears throat> we need each other. We need to start working together. We need to start believing bigger than what we're believing for now. We're believing in this church that this region is going to, the, the lost are going to be connected to Jesus 
They're going to they're gonna have an opportunity. They're going to receive, be able to receive that love that God has for them. We believe that the churches are going to be able to, to connect and we're operate in unity. We are the body of Christ. It's not about Faith Mountain. It's not about church, Jay's church. It's, it's about the body of Christ. And we believe this region's never going to be the same because we're bringing the kingdom of heaven down here. And you guys are going out and you're carrying the kingdom of heaven with you. And so don't be afraid. Don't let fear keep you from, hey, you might have a word for somebody. You may look around the room and God may have a word for Jim Stromberg that says, man, I love you. I'm so proud of you. You've served me faithfully and I love you. Now, how many, does, how many of you don't want to hear that? You've got that inside of you. You may have a prophetic word. You may, have, you may look at somebody and go, wow, Brian needs, I, I'm supposed to pray for him. The body of Christ functioning in God's, in his power. Amen.